Back in April of this year, the Chinese news reported that a teenager in China had sold his kidney to buy an iPad and an iPhone. Why on earth would someone do that? Well, plenty of people in China did not find it surprising. They had an explanation for what that teenager did. They said, an iPhone isn't just a cool gadget. It's a signifier of success. Having one is a sign you've made it. It signifies a better life. Those are quotations from the news reports. So forget your vital organs. If you want a good future, you need an iPhone. Some of you already have one. I don't think any of us here would sell our kidneys for gadgets. Maybe I'm misjudging you, but I don't think you would. But the future is important to all of us. We spend a good bit of our time and energy trying to get a good future for ourselves. What qualifications do we need? What job? How much do we need to earn? Who do we need to marry? What house do we need? What kind of retirement plan do we need? We're always thinking about the future. And usually we want a future that's better than what we have right now. Isn't that why people do the lottery? Well, this morning we find two ladies who are looking for a future. In chapter 1 of this book, we saw Naomi and her daughter-in-law Ruth return to Bethlehem empty. They had nothing at all in the present, and they had no prospects for the future. An old Israelite widow and a young Moabite widow. They were not likely candidates for a bright and shining destiny. But it is true that last week we saw their needs in the present being met. In the kindness of the Lord shown through Boaz, Naomi and Ruth were provided for in the present. They ended chapter 2 with plenty of food. But what about their future? When Ruth gets too old to work, who's going to care for them then? They have no family. And they have no retirement funds. In chapter 3, we find these two ladies looking for a future. If you haven't already turned to Ruth chapter 3, you'll find it in the church Bible on page 269. I'll read the whole chapter. One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, that's to Ruth, My daughter... Should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. 
So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her. And added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. This is God's word. In verse 1, Naomi sets out the issue for us. Yes, the cupboards are full... But, she says, my daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Literally, Naomi says, should I not try to find rest for you where it will go well with you? So Naomi isn't just talking about finding a husband and a home for Ruth. She's talking about finding rest and security for her. She's talking about a life that has more than just food on the table and a roof over her head. Naomi is thinking of a life filled with peace because the future is taken care of. That's what Naomi's looking for. And the next thing we discover is that she's looking in the right place. Naomi knows that Boaz is the key to this future she's looking for. Not only has he already welcomed Ruth and protected her and provided for her, but Boaz also has a position that makes him the ideal person to approach. He's a kinsman of Naomi. We saw last week that means he's from the clan of Naomi's dead husband, Elimelech. Boaz's position gives him a special interest in these two ladies. If they're looking for a future, then Boaz is the right man to turn to. And so Naomi explains her plan to Ruth in the middle of verse 2. Tonight, 
he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself, then put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. When the period of harvesting was over, it was then the time for threshing and then winnowing. Threshing involved whacking the grain with a stick or with hooves. That was to break the husks off from the kernels. And then winnowing involved throwing the whole lot up into the air, up into the wind, like so. The wind would then scatter away the useless stuff, the chaff, but the heavier kernels of grain would fall straight back down. And this work was done on an open space of flat, hard ground called a threshing floor. Apparently, it was done at night because the breezes were better at night. Naomi has heard that Boaz will be there. And she tells Ruth to wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. We need to make sure we have the right picture in our minds here. This is not just about Ruth looking and smelling her best. It's not whatever romantic movie you might have playing in your head at the moment. Remember, Ruth is a widow. And in this culture, widows went through a mourning period after their husband died. And it was made obvious by the way they dressed that they were in mourning. It seems that up to this point, Ruth has been dressing as a mourning widow. Even when she was out working in the field. But here Naomi is saying, tonight you dress normally again. So let's be clear, this is not about Ruth dressing provocatively. It's not about Ruth trying to turn Boaz's head. It's about laying aside her widow's clothes. It's about saying, I'm moving on from my past and I'm looking to the future. Then Naomi tells Ruth to wait until Boaz is asleep. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. We'll think in a moment about those strange instructions. But the thing to focus on at this point is Naomi's final statement. He will tell you what to do. Naomi is sure Boaz is the one they can trust. His past record and his position mean they can have confidence in him. He's not going to mislead them or take advantage of them. He's the key to the future they're looking for. He's the one that they need to listen to and obey. Verse 5 tells us, Ruth agrees with her mother-in-law. I will do whatever you say. Throughout this book, We've seen that it's a story of God's relationship with his people. Yes, there are human relationships here, but behind all of it is God. Last week we saw Boaz show amazing grace and kindness to Ruth. And how did Naomi respond to that when she heard about it? She saw that ultimately 
The grace and kindness were coming from the Lord. It was the Lord who has not stopped showing his chesed, his faithful love, to the living and the dead. That's what Naomi said. And here at the beginning of chapter 3, it is the Lord who has provided not only the position of kinsman redeemer, but also this particular kinsman redeemer, Boaz. Naomi came back to Bethlehem empty. If she's ever going to be full, she has to look for fullness in the right place. And the right place is Boaz. He's the man God has provided. We started by saying that we're all looking for a good future. And now we can add to that. We all need to make sure we're looking for it in the right place. That teenager in China who sold his kidney, he was banking on the belief that Apple computers were the key to a good future. He longed for something better than what he had. And he assumed Apple could provide it. If he just had those perfectly formed little gadgets in his hand, he'd have rest. He'd have what had been missing from his life. You and I might go looking in other places. Relationships, promotions, physical fitness, maybe having a holiday home. There are lots and lots of places to look, but only one place is the right place to look. Long ago, a man called Augustine prayed this to God. He said, you made us for yourself, and our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. Long before Augustine, Jesus Christ said, come to me. And I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. Only God can give us a future of soul-satisfying rest. And he gives it to us through his son Jesus. Jesus is the man God has provided to give us rest. He's the one we can trust. He can deliver what iPhones And holiday homes and even human relationships cannot deliver. If we're looking for a future, we have to start by looking in the right place. Back in Bethlehem, Ruth goes about things just as Naomi said. Verse 6. She went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. The threshing floor was a public place. It was used by all the farmers. So Boaz sleeps beside his own grain pile to protect it from thieves. The next day, he can take it away and sell it. But we have to ask, why would Naomi send Ruth to approach him here? Why not in daylight? Why not just knock on his front door? Well, the text doesn't tell us, but I suspect it was because Ruth was a Moabitess. 
She's an outsider. Sure, Boaz has welcomed her to come and work in his field. But that's not in the same league as marriage. A wealthy Israelite welcoming a Moabite worker is very commendable. A wealthy Israelite marrying a Moabite worker is unheard of. It's true, Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. But that duty applies to other Israelites in his clan, not to Moabites. So I suspect Naomi is giving Boaz an out here. If no one sees Ruth approach him without her widow's clothes, then if he wants to turn her down, they're both spared any embarrassment. So Naomi really is being a little timid, a little conservative. But we're about to see that Ruth is not. So far, she's followed Naomi's instructions. It seems that uncovering Boaz's feet was a polite way to wake him up. He'd fallen asleep when the evening was still pleasant and balmy. But later on, it gets a lot colder. Verse 8 says, In the middle of the night, something startled the man. Or better, the man shivered. That's because his feet are uncovered. And he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. Naomi did not ask Ruth to propose, but that's what she's just done. Spread the corner of your garment over me doesn't mean shift over a bit and let me share your blanket. It means marry me. It's a picture used often in the Old Testament of the man spreading his protection and care over the woman. Ruth has made a bold approach. It's bold on several levels. For one thing, it's all very well for Naomi to send Ruth here in the dark. But from Ruth's point of view, think of all the things that could have gone wrong. Boaz could have taken advantage of her under cover of darkness. Or he could have mistaken her intentions and denounced her publicly as a loose woman. Prostitutes were known to come to the threshing floor at night. So one way or the other, Boaz could have humiliated Ruth and destroyed her reputation. And then there's the fact that we've already noticed Ruth is a dirt-poor Moabite worker proposing to her wealthy Israelite boss. Basically, Ruth is either crazy or she has a deep trust in this man. She's either a fool or she has a well-placed faith in Boaz's character. She knows he will accept her despite her low position and despite of her heritage as a Moabite, an enemy of God's people. Well, we soon find out that Ruth's uh, Ruth's boldness is well-placed. She receives a commendation, a promise, and a sign. The commendation comes in verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater 
than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. We saw last week that Boaz is probably a good bit older than Ruth. And here again he calls her my daughter. That's the same phrase Naomi uses. The equivalent today would be young lady. But what does Boaz mean when he says, this kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier? He's talking about Ruth's kindness to Naomi. Earlier, Ruth had left her people and her homeland to stick with Naomi. And now that she's in Bethlehem, Ruth could have looked for a younger man. But she chose a man she knows is going to care for Naomi as well. We've seen that Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. So if he marries Ruth, he's committing to continue the family line of Elimelech, Naomi's dead husband. If Boaz and Ruth have a child, it will be seen as Naomi's grandchild. The point is, Ruth is not thinking what man is best for my happiness. She's thinking what man is best for the future of my family. That's the man she wants. That's the man she'll be happy with. Now that might not fit with our modern ideas about romance. But it's one more example of what it means to show faithful love. So if we ask what application this might have for us, the application is not marry an older man who wants to provide for your family. That's okay. It's not a wrong thing to do. But it's not the lesson for us here. The lesson here is, for goodness sake, consider the future. Don't make your decisions based only on the present. Don't just grab for what looks and feels good right now, today. And this isn't just relevant when you're looking for a marriage partner. Jesus said, what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Whatever you do, whatever you're thinking about or grasping for, consider the future. We all want a good future, but we'll not get it if we only focus on the present. We'll not get it if we think the stuff that's attractive in the present is going to be the stuff that lasts forever. The truly valuable things and the lasting things, those are not usually the things that glitter the most in the present. They're not usually the things people are flocking to get hold of in the present. Ruth's way of looking at things is not popular in our time. And apparently it wasn't popular in her time either. It surprises Boaz. But Ruth is commended for considering how her choices in the present will affect the future. She's commanded for choosing wisely with the future in mind. 
But Boaz doesn't stop at commending Ruth. He makes her a promise. And it's a promise with an unexpected twist. Look at verse 11. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you're a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. If this was a scene in a film, verse 11 might have wedding bells beginning to clang gently in the background. But they'd come to a dead stop at verse 12. We'd have the sound of a needle being pulled across a record. There is another man who's a closer relative of Elimelech. He has first refusal in this situation. And if we've learned anything about Boaz, it's that he's a man of character and integrity. He's going to do things right. One way or the other, Boaz will arrange a good future for Ruth. But it might not come about the way she expected. In any case, Boaz sends Ruth home with a sign or a token of his goodwill. Verse 14. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. If we pause here, we'll remember that this isn't just about Ruth and Boaz. It's also about the God of Boaz. Boaz is God's instrument. And we learn a lot about God through Boaz. He's the God we can approach boldly. Not because we're on a level with him. Not because we deserve a welcome from him. Far from it. Spiritually speaking, we stand before God as his dirt-poor enemies. He's the boss. We're like slaves dependent on his mercy. We might be offended by that picture of ourselves, but that's the picture God gives us. We would be crazy to approach him unless we knew he's the kind of God who welcomes people like us. Unless he'd shown by his actions that he cared about people like us. And he has. His son died so God could welcome people like us. When we set aside our errors and graces, when we stop chasing after stuff that's only here for a moment, when we come to see him as the most valuable treasure there is, then we find a welcome. And we receive the promise of redemption. God will give us a destiny. He will give us a future of rest and security that stretches right into eternity. And we're given a sign of God's favor. 
the New Testament calls God's Holy Spirit, a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until God redeems his possession. That's us, God's possession. Ruth got a promise and six measures of barley. You and I get a promise and God's Holy Spirit. God has promised to take care of our future. And in the meantime, he is with us in the present. But that doesn't mean it's easy in the present. Verse 16. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi said, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. The chapter ends with two ladies waiting and trusting. Naomi and Ruth are looking for a future. But they are entirely dependent on Boaz. They have to wait. And they have to trust him while they wait. And they are able to trust him because they know him. He has shown himself to be a man of standing. Not just a man of wealth and power, but a good man. A trustworthy man. And much more importantly, Boaz serves a trustworthy God. A God of faithful love. All of us are looking for a future. But we'll only find it by coming to God through his son Jesus. And then trusting Jesus as we wait for our redemption. We're going to close our service by reminding ourselves that our souls find rest in God alone. We'll sing, I rest in God alone and then there is a day.